was thinking about big oil. <laughs> I'm being really honest, it's a very weird thing to sit around thinking about, but I was thinking about big oil and how they miss an opportunity. And this sort of goes into a couple episodes ago. I talked about inshitification. This relates in that I'm also thinking about self-preservation. So I'm going to start with big oil companies. They are going to die out. So we have all the climate crisis. We have the energy crisis. Uh, oil is a finite resource. So eventually it will run out. And that should have been the thought they had. They knew this back in the 70s. They had models of how long oil is going to last, how long we can extract oil from the earth, the impact it's having on the climate. They knew all this in the 70s and 80s and just decided to keep it quiet and move along with the status quo as if nothing was wrong. And that, to me, shows a distinct lack of foresight. Because if at that time the big oil companies weren't thinking of themselves as oil companies, but as energy companies, they could have been at the forefront of developing the new technologies that we need now. So imagine if Exxon, I actually don't know if Exxon's a company anymore, uh, BP, anything, just a big oil company back in the 80s had said, we're not just an oil company. We are an energy company and take a minute amount of their profits because we know they make billions and billions of dollars every year and put it into alternative energy research. So they could have been the ones in the 90s, in the early 2000s to come out with feasible solar panels, a new grid that works off their technology that's proprietary, so they own it. They could have ended up being the foundation for all energy at the moment. They could have created hybrid systems. So as oil became less viable, their other technologies could grow and they would never lose any of the profits that they so desperately want. Now, there is a short-sightedness in that, well, 20, 30 years from now, I'm going to be dead or I'm not going to be in this position. All I care about is money and power. That's fine, but it shows that you're not really thinking about the future because if climate change strikes us all down in the next five years, whether you're rich or not isn't going to matter very much. You're still going to be involved. I also did an episode about uh, billionaires trying to make bunkers and the obvious failures there, again, show a very distinct short-sightedness when they should be trying to solve the problem, not just trying to survive the fallout. But if they had done this, if the, if the big oil companies had thought of themselves as energy companies and created new energies in the past, so in the, in the 70s and 80s and 90s, they would have maintained a dominant market share essentially for all of eternity. And the oil companies that didn't think forward, that didn't try to develop anything new, would die out. And then you would end up with one massive company that controls all the energy in the world. And that is what they want. So they actually missed by not innovating, they missed the opportunity to be the like despots they really, really want to be. And now we've hit this weird stage where we can see storms have increased Huge chunks of the earth are on fire. And this is happening more and more every year. Uh, we have record heat waves. Uh, but then we have uh, the recent Republican debate. People legitimately saying, I want to be president and this is what I think. 
The ocean hit 101 degrees off the coast of Florida. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The the climate change agenda is a hoax. But you don't have to be a scientist to see that there are changes afoot. That weather has changed in the last 10, 15, 20 years. That things have gotten noticeably worse. That water in the ocean is hotter than it should be. And again, this is talking about short-term gains at the risk of self-preservation in the future because I don't necessarily just want to be successful now. I want to be successful into the future so much so that my kids can be successful in the future and other generations that follow therein. I guess, I don't know, call me selfish, I don't know. There are other ways this is manifested as well that I'm really enjoying right now because we're seeing Trump and recently... Giuliani went to court, and since Trump isn't paying legal bills anymore, everyone's rolling on him. So Giuliani goes to court and admits that he lied. And all these other people are going to court and admitting their lie. They lied. And that is because you have Trump. He said, like, oh, if you don't support me, I will take care of you. But we've seen he doesn't support anyone. He doesn't take care of anyone. He doesn't spend any money. You can go on the internet and find all the stories about people who have done work for him, contract work, and he just doesn't pay out. He just doesn't pay them. And he holds them up in courts for years and years and years and then pays a fraction. There was one I listened to, it was this morning or yesterday, and it was a guy telling a story of his friend, had a $3 million contract with Trump. He just held off not paying, dragged, drug him through courts and whatnot, ended up offering $1.5 million. That guy went and paid off everyone who had worked for him and then killed himself. And he was, babies. People were saying, like, why don't you give Trump a chance? And he's like, well, because essentially Trump inadvertently murdered one of my friends. But what Trump is missing is that by not taking care of these people around him, he's not preserving himself. Those people aren't going to take care of him. It's not going to go forward into the future. He's not got a protective group around him that's going to hold. And that's what he really needs. So I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the courts and whatnot in America. I'm very interested to see. I would really like to see Trump do jail time because it's so obvious that he's committed so many crimes. I don't know if they're going to do it. Like the worst thing they did to Nixon when he broke the rules was say like, okay, you have to not be president anymore, which is scary because it means he can commit all these crimes, but because he was president, he's not going to go to prison. I would really like to see him in prison. Weirdly, another version of the same thing, this lack of self-preservation, and it relates to the Inshittification episode, streaming services. We are watching streaming services suffer the same fate in real time. We had TV, and then we had cable, and then we had streaming. Streaming was good and new and exciting. We had movies on our TV, and it was really cool. Then, very recently, all these companies are like, well, Netflix is working, so I want to make our Netflix. Netflix. We're going to make Disney+. Plus. We're going to make HBO. We're going to make this. We're going to have a million services. Now I have to pay for packages. So now it comes to, well, let's screw the users, the stuff that they liked, that they were paying for, that they're happy about. Let's screw it because I'm not getting a big enough cut for myself, which means these streaming services have now broke themselves up into cable. Linear TV is less than 50% of TV now. It's down 12.5% compared to last year. Cable makes up one-third of TV time. Broadcast TV makes up one-fifth. YouTube and Netflix makes one-fifth or more in most households. 
But I can tell you, I have two teens. My two teens watch TikTok and YouTube almost exclusively. They barely watch television. This is not the world that streaming services want because these kids are growing up with a world where you don't pay for content. Now, of course, YouTube has YouTube premium. TikTok, I'm sure, is going to go paid someday. But on the internet, what happens is they get supplanted by another innovator, another service that comes up with something. TikTok is three, maybe four years old now. It's in its infancy. YouTube's been around since 2004. So it's the grandfather of all these services. And other services have come up to try to take it on. They just haven't quite hit it yet. But it will happen. I don't think YouTube can maintain the market dominance because it's refusing to uh, innovate and is going for going through the inshittification process. The problem is YouTube, like Facebook, is so big, it's going to take that much longer for it to die. Then what is the appeal? All these services, so Netflix, Disney+, Plus, cable, they all see YouTube and TikTok as the main competition, the ones they have to beat. Problem is the appeal for people in YouTube and TikTok and for the companies is the appeal of creator personalities. And it's incredibly cheap and it's incredibly fast. So volume is the key to success. So we saw Netflix for a while. There was actually the joke that Netflix would green light any project and put it out and they put it out really fast and it wasn't very good. They were essentially going for the YouTube model of content creation, but the problem is they had to pay money to do it. If you get a bunch of amateurs and you have them make a movie, it's not going to be very good, but then people are going to be very forgiving because it's very sincere. Netflix is never going to feel sincere when they make these cash grab movies. You will notice that every few years, YouTube creators start complaining about changes to the YouTube algorithm or the YouTube system or the YouTube advertising, so they make less and less money. This is Again, the inshittification process, YouTube is starting to abuse the people that actually create the content. Those people are going to start looking somewhere else where they can make money. TikTok came up. It's only four years old and people are already starting to make complaints about the changes to the algorithm. I am on TikTok and I am locked in the, what they're calling the 200 person jail. Um, None of my posts go viral in any way. None of them get very big unless it's sort of forced on people. So when I post something to TikTok, it gets between two and 300 views and that's it. The algorithm at that point just drops it. That is enough for a small creator like myself to keep going, but it isn't enough for me to actually start making money off TikTok. And that is actually the place TikTok wants me to be. They want to have creators making content. Oh yeah, you are getting attention, but not enough that we can pay you. Sorry. And then we have few small create a few creators who have massive followings, and that is at this point very purposeful. That is the first step in the inshittification of TikTok. So it's four years old. They are now starting to abuse the content creators. In the you know, so we can manage this group of big creators. We have all these other people who are creating content. So we're going to pick every time one of our big guys gets in trouble or disappears or something happens, we're going to pick one out, boost their content, and they will become the next big creator. So the volume of content is now the primary key to success in content creation. And having a million amateurs like me make content for your platform means your platform is full and it's available. And you know, the people can actually decide what they want to watch. The problem is these viewing habits 
targeting amateurs as the creators means things like news now have less legitimacy. I don't know if that's really fair to say. Uh, news source, people's viewing habits mean their information comes from amateurs like me. So I run a show called Ninja News Japan. Ninja News Japan is news from Japan. And then I do commentary. It's supposed to be lightly comedic. Uh, I try to make it amusing, but it means any story I put out there is out. Now, news sources, legitimate news sources pick up stories from the internet now because they are trying to keep up with amateur creators. So recently, Lil Tay, the personality, I don't know if she actually did a rap song. Lil Tay did, I think it was TikTok. Maybe it was Instagram. Basically, a 12-year-old looking kid made brash statements about how they make millions of dollars and you don't, would get in a car that they can't even drive, walked around an apartment. I mean, I didn't think any of that was real. Turns out that uh, Lil Tay's mother was actually a realtor. So they would go into different houses and just film because they had access to these like penthouses and stuff and then claim it was theirs. There was no way you couldn't prove it. Lil Tay was reported to be dead at like 16 years old. A couple of weeks later, Lil Tay comes back on their own Instagram and says, my Instagram was hacked. I'm not actually dead. But... Legitimate news sources didn't check. They saw this story running around the internet. So they decided, okay, well, we got to report on this. And that is the death of investigative journalism. Now, I do Ninja News Japan. I feel enough of a responsibility that I don't just grab a story and run with it. If I see a story and I think this might be a good story for Ninja News Japan, I have a process I actually go through where I try to find at least two or three articles from different sources and compare them and see if the facts are the same or different. If the facts are all different, either I won't do that story or actually tell people what the differences are. And again, sort of a media awareness initiative. So every now and then I'll take, hey, look, I got this story where they say A, I got the same story on the same topic where they say B, and I got this third story on the same topic where they say C. Isn't it interesting that they all got slightly different versions of the story? U.S. adults under the age of 30, 25% of them are getting their news from TikTok and probably not like a news channel on TikTok. They're probably getting it from a creator who is taking the news of the day, packing it into something that's digestible and very quick. I think also the way they speak, because when I do Ninja News Japan, I don't script it. I have the stories, I have the content, and then I start talking. And that makes it more organic. I make mistakes. I'll make jokes. I'll back up and say stuff again, but it makes it very sincere, which again is what I'm saying is the problem with Netflix when it went through its create creator or creation burst phase where they were greenlighting everything saying like what we need is volume, but it was insincere volume. People want news and entertainment from someone they can trust. And that trust is really important. Problem is the trust may be the most important part now and no one trusts these big companies and corporations because these big companies and corporations don't seek out self-preservation in the long run, which means they don't engage with the actual individuals, which means they run through the enshittification process and are willing to actually burn their own core in an attempt to create more money or more value for themselves that's not sustainable. And that is the underpinning of everything I've talked about right now is how sustainable in the long run are the things that these companies are doing and what, what effect does it have on us? Well, the effect on us right now is we're going through a climate crisis. We're watching the world burn down around us. We're not even getting the entertainment we need or want. 
yes, yeah, we don't need entertainment. We're not getting the entertainment we want, maybe the entertainment we deserve. Because companies are now at the point where either they're making garbage, I guess actually they're not making anything right now because of the writer's strike, which I'm finding endlessly fascinating. They want AI to step in and replace all the humans. You want insincerity. AI is legitimately, to me, the representation of insincerity in creation. And what are people looking for? They're looking for someone they can trust. But it leads us into this very dangerous thing where maybe someone you trust doesn't know what they're talking about. Yesterday, an article popped up on my feed and it said, scientists say human-caused global warming is exasperating natural disasters such as fires and floods around the world, making them both more likely and more deadly. Do you agree? Now, I want to point out the first part of that sentence is scientists say, I am not a scientist. Therefore, my opinion on this topic is completely irrelevant. I should be listening to the scientists. This was when people were saying that coronavirus was a hoax or it wasn't real or anything. I'm like, well, what are the scientists, the people who study nothing but viruses saying? Well, they're saying you should get this vaccine. So I went and got the vaccine. Scientists say we should recycle. Well, then I think we should probably recycle. Why? I've never studied a vaccine before. I've never, never studied a disease before. I have no idea what to do in that situation. How do we save the earth? Recycling? Okay, I'll recycle. I think the biggest problem when it comes to recycling, I've said this in an episode in the past as well, is that we're holding people to a standard that we're not holding corporations to. And it's this differentiation between corporations and how they act and individuals and how they act and how we treat them as being disparate. Coca-Cola Corporation produces, I don't know, 25% of the plastic bottles on the planet Maybe Coca-Cola Corporation should be responsible for recycling a percentage of those bottles every single year. Maybe it isn't on the individual. Maybe Coke should be held to a standard where they create recycling centers in cities. Maybe Coke should be responsible for developing the technology to improve recycling returns. That seems like a very reasonable way forward for me. I also don't think it's going to happen because society is still built on money and this corporation is powerful where the individual isn't. So they put the onus on the individual to do all the work to try to save the earth while the companies keep trying to burn everything down. While big company, while big oil and companies like that try to just forge forward and make as much money as they can in the little limited amount of time they have left to squeeze the earth of oil. Why are we listening to people when scientists are say something? Honestly, because it's just more content, because they're doing exactly what the streaming services want. They're doing what TikTok and YouTube want. They want individuals to create content for them on their behalf. And it's hopefully going to come from a, a source they trust, and then they're going to listen to them. All we can do is hope that that individual actually is smart enough to listen to a scientist. I'm not a scientist, and therefore my opinion on these things does not matter. And in fact, straight up, my opinion just does not matter.